Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Food People. I'm Amanda Shapiro, your host, and today we're going to talk about a food thing that I have spent so much time doing that I am so excited to do again, but that I think needs a bit of a rebrand, and that's the dinner party. Okay, so here's my caveat. We are recording this in early September when vaccinated folks in many parts of the country feel comfortable gathering in each other's homes, sharing food and drinks, a.k.a. having dinner parties. But if that is not the case where you are, we encourage you to follow the CDC's guidance and do what feels best for you. With that said, I used to host a lot. I would have told you it was one of my favorite things, having people over for dinner. But in hindsight, I'm realizing how stressed out I was all the time. I was always tackling too many dishes that somehow all had to be on my stove or in my oven at the same time. So now as I'm starting to unpause, I think we need a new playbook. So today I asked two BA food editors, Test Kitchen director Chris Morocco and associate food editor Zainab Issa, to help me come up with some new rules for dinner parties. What are we doing more of? What are we ditching? What are we eating? Chris and Zainab, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. So I really put you on the spot asking you to come with some strong opinions about dinner parties. But before we get into your new rules for dinner parties, how are you both feeling about having people over for dinner right now? You want to take this one, Zainab? I'm excited. I think things definitely need to be reassessed after the pandemic, but I'm ready to get back into it. What was your pre-pandemic dinner party life like? Pretty regular and definitely way too much going on when I think back on it. Like too many people, too many dishes, too many... All of the above. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just a lot. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I feel like it was a lot before, you know? I mean, of all the things to fall by the wayside in the pandemic, not being able to host 10 or 12 people was kind of like... Ooh, that's a shame. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, can't hang out. Like, I think for me, this is the thing. It's like I always have had my work life and what I do in the kitchen at work. And then there's like a very different reality having young kids at home, you know, holidays, anytime you have to cook for more than just your nuclear family, it's about survival, you know, as much as anything else, as much as like any kind of culinary endeavor. So I'm looking forward to, frankly, for my own purposes, to kind of reevaluating, like, what are we going to carry forward into the future? And how can we be a little bit smarter about this? The entire purpose of having people over is to hang out with those people. And you have to be so intentional about it right now because you are literally deciding, who do I want to bring into my bubble? So um, yes, the idea I know. that you're going to hang out in the kitchen and not see anybody, that no longer works, you know? Just doesn't make sense. Right. It sounds like you already have a new rule in mind. So Chris, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, my first rule is stop hiding in the kitchen. I spent way too long hiding in the kitchen because that was my comfort zone, right? I hid behind the work so that I didn't have to do the work of really interacting with everybody. And when you're hosting, that's so deep. It gives you it gives you like an ability to kind of move in and out. But it's kind of like my grandma. Her seat was like the jump seat that was closest to the kitchen and you barely saw her, right? It was like Mm -hmm. practically like one of those seats that folds down, you know, (laughs) like you get up and it like slaps back up and she was like (laughs) off like a shot back to the kitchen for whatever was in there. But yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be stirring risotto 
for the 30 most critical moments while like everybody's kind of hungry, kind of ready to go. I want to be there. I want to be able to hang out for that part. So what do you think it was that kept you in the kitchen? Was it stress about wanting the food to be perfect? Or is it, I'm getting really deep here. Is it latent social anxiety? I think for me, cooking was always a big part of my life and it was always around me and my family. But when you set your sights on a culinary career, you put a certain amount of pressure on yourself. Like I hate that thing in like in a recipe headnote when it's like, oh, impress your friends. It's like, why are you trying to impress your friends? But why do I don't you have know. friends who need to be impressed by right. what you feed them? Right, exactly. That to me is so, that's not what it's about. And yet this is like a deeply personal exploration into the culinary me. And that comes out during dinner parties. And you find yourself wanting to try things that you haven't done before. Uh-huh. Maybe that's just not the right way to go about it. You know, It was about like, like getting to your own stand, the standard that you had for yourself or, yeah. Yeah. Whereas I should probably have just been relying on executing the stuff that I can do in my sleep. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, now that we're like in, in dinner party therapy, Zainab and I are here to help. What kinds of dishes do you think would be more successful at helping you achieve this goal, letting you actually hang out? It's about doing things that you can literally do and let sit for an hour. Mm, the room temperature main. Yeah, the room temperature main Ooh. or the just barely reheated main, you know, like Zoe Kim's red wine and soy sauce braised short ribs. It's something that's like, listen, nothing is going to happen in the hour that it's hanging out on the stove. Right. The only thing I really think you should be cooking is pasta. Nobody's like pre-cooking the pasta. But that leads to the question, is pasta even a good dinner party food? I would say lasagna is. Right. Baked pasta, yes. Yes. Baked pasta would work. I feel like the old me would say, oh, I have people coming over. Why don't I like make a special trip to go get some fresh egg noodles or make it myself, probably even more likely. And then let me do like BA's best bolognese, which is going to be a longer endeavor. Mm -hmm. But I think the people in my world would be just as happy to have our weeknight ragu that I did just a few months ago. Yeah, such a good recipe. That's like a fast and simple version that accomplishes much the same thing. And I can just do it on dried pasta and it'll be totally fine. Mm, That sounds simple and delicious, especially for a party. Zainab, how about you? What's your new number one rule for dinner parties? My number one new rule is also a goal. (laughs) And it is letting your guests actually help. Ooh. So I feel like you always get asked, oh, what can I do? Like, either in the moment or beforehand. And it's instead of just being like, oh, nothing, don't worry about it. Follow through, give them a task or even like make the meal the party. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. I feel like this is related a little bit to Chris's stop hiding in the kitchen. These are both good rules for control freaks. Like step out of your comfort zone in the kitchen, hang out with the people you actually invited over and actually maybe let them do something. What a novel idea. How do you do this without it just sounding like you're putting your guests to work, even though you are? Oof. I mean, I feel like I never really have to ask. My friends and family are really kind and they're always asking me. And it's more me being like, no, nothing. Don't worry. I got it. But that's like the etiquette dance that a guest has to ask and you're supposed to be like, oh, no, I totally got it. But instead you say what? Um, Would you mind doing this? (laughs) 
And I feel like that's a non-abrasive way to get somebody's help as a general rule in life because it doesn't feel obligatory. They could be like, oh, no, actually, I'm not good at that. Right. And then you can think of something else. It's more conversational than being like, do this, you know? Yeah. What are the things that you would and would not ask a guest to help with? Oh. You're right, because there's like the things like you're not <laughs> delegating for anything. Like right? I'm not handing yeah. a sharp knife to most guests. Absolutely not. I guess mixing something or like pouring the drinks. Fucking <laughs> corn. Come on. Like corn was like put on this world to literally like be thrust into the hands of your guests who have just made the mistake of yeah. asking if they can help and then like send them outside. Yeah. Or even like dressing salad. Right. I think putting bowls on the table once you filled them or like trimming green beans is something even kids can do. Like I think there's tasks for all ages at the dinner party that would actually make our lives easier if we actually admitted that we could use the help. Yeah. Agreed. And what about the other part of what you said? You said making the meal the party. So like hot pot or hand rolls or like tacos are all like you have to make your own to eat your own kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The other option is my mom does this and she just basically has a bunch of people come over. She'll make the samosa filling like ahead of time and they all just sit around a round table filling and wrapping the samosas. And then at the end of it, there's probably like 500. They split everything. They take it home, freeze it, and they'll fry some in the moment to eat as well. So that's a win-win. That's like prep and party all in one. Yeah. And your guests get to leave with however many more meals in their in their bags. That's amazing. Hot pot is really great too, because that's just all do ahead prep. And you can even buy like the pre-made stock bases Mm. that you just mix with water. So that's super easy. Yeah. And that's a great way to get guests involved. I also feel like a lot of times people at the dinner party just want to, they don't need to be served a plate of pre-portioned things. Everyone's just more comfortable with a more informal situation. Would you agree? I agree. Chris, you're looking unsure. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was just thinking about the fact of this, like, what else am I willing to let go of? I would be totally on board to frankly not cook myself. The point right now is to connect with people and to be able to spend time with people, probably even more than like we probably were in most cases before. To me, it's like, having people over doesn't even have to be about the food at all in a way like outsource it oh all right (laughs) i'm going there you know chris i think i hear another rule coming out yeah i mean i don't know if we were like ready for another rule but like i'm just gonna go there (laughs) let's go there halfway out of my mouth my next rule for like hosting people in the future frankly if i have to outsource the main i will outsource the main you know and here's why let me unpack this outsource the main outsource the main okay the things that are really hard at least in my mind to get takeout or to run to the store to grab are things like a compelling dynamic salad that's actually like a bit of a tricky thing a compelling dynamic salad, Chris. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> Said no one ever. What are you talking about? Sorry, Chris. Is this a film review? <laughs> I'm saying, all right, go get yourself like a bucket of fried chicken. Go get yourself a couple of pizzas. Like Hell have yeah. people over. Okay. Yes. Like, are you trusting the salad from the pizza place? Absolutely Maybe not. Maybe not. You want a compelling dynamic, dynamic salad. Okay, that's you're right, what you you're right. want. A two thumbs up salad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? I have this wonderful sort of poultry stand at my farmer's market. 
and they do a really good chicken pot pie. Mm. And here's scenario A. I make a chicken pot pie from scratch. By the time I've actually done it, I haven't been able to go outside that day. I've literally devoted like an entire day of my life to making pot pie. Right. Whereas like, I get the pot pie, you know, a compelling and dynamic pot pie, right, from the poultry guy, <laughs> all right? Are you testing it? You know it's good. So you're, like, not going I know rogue it's good. here. Yeah. yeah. You know, 15 minutes from here, I've got a great barbecue place. Do I want to get the salads from them? Mm, or, like, the sides? Maybe some mac and cheese for the kit. Well, for me, you know. But fact is, I'm not going to smoke a pork shoulder all day, mm. right? But. If I do like the taco setup that Zainab was just talking about or some other kind of side dishes that I know are going to like be special, that's a total win. Outsource it. A hundred percent agree. Like one thing I've learned after this pandemic is my energy is finite and I was constantly overextending myself in the before times, but I also need to go back to compelling and dynamic salads. (laughs) (laughs) Name a salad recipe on Bon Appetit that is a compelling and dynamic salad. Go. Oh, God. You're putting me on the spot. I have not pre-researched this. Okay. Compelling (laughs) and dynamic. It was a salad we did from Camille Becerra that was a chicory and seaweed salad. It had like hijiki seaweed in there. It had escarole. It had like a creamy, luscious dressing. It maybe had toasted hazelnuts. Mm -hmm. Sorry, these are just ingredients are like floating back to me as if like in a dream, you know? Mm -hmm. That is the kind of thing you cannot get anywhere. Well, maybe from Camille. You can't get a totally slaying radicchio salad that has pickled grapes and bone bouche aged chev on it. You can't get that. You have to make that yourself. Yeah. Another Bon Appetit, great recipe. Okay, so hear me out. Instead of outsourcing the main, just skip it entirely. Is that even like, is that even a dinner party? Are we eating? (laughs) Yeah, Are we just drinking? Is this just a cocktail hour? (laughs) No, like eat your dinner at home like you would regularly and then like come over for some dessert. Uh, So you invited um, me over not to have dinner. That's what just happened. Sorry, Chris. I don't want you in my house for longer than two hours. Wait, wait. I'm intrigued. I just want to know first, like you're telling your guests in advance that there will be dinner. Come over for dessert. Yes, I will be making the dessert, which is also a much, much lighter lift than making dinner and dessert. You can't skip dessert, first of all. True. So why not just put all the focus on everyone's favorite part anyway? And there's so much less cleanup because you can prep everything ahead of time. And if you're nervous about having people in your space for too long, this cuts it out too. All right. I'm I'm intrigued. I have some questions though. What kinds of desserts are you tackling? Like I feel like if people are coming just for dessert, their expectations are high. Agreed. Okay. We start with like a seasonal fruit platter, which can be prepped ahead of time as well. Is this a multi-course dessert party? Of course it is. Hell yeah. You're breaking the rules already. Fine. (laughs) Next up is something rich, chocolatey, and portable. So like these amazing chocolate chunk cookies on the site. Yes, those would be Rick Martinez's obscenely chocolatey chocolate cookies, which are, like they sound, completely ridiculous. Chocolate on chocolate with chunks of chocolate. The dough has cocoa powder in it. And they are actually super simple too. There's 10 ingredients and I think only 10 steps in them. Those are great. And then the super lemony olive oil cake by Mina Stone to like brighten everything up and have it be refreshing. You have like a cake, a cookie, and fruit. What more do you need? You cannot go wrong with a good olive oil cake. 
Absolutely not. You can go wrong with a bad olive oil cake. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a story? (laughs) I just feel like I've had olive oil cakes that are too dry. I've had them that are too dense. I've had them that don't taste anything like olive oil. I think that usually there's cornmeal involved, right? And sometimes the grind is too coarse and then you're just chewing for too long. Okay, lots of opinions on olive oil cake. But when you nail it, you really nail it. This one's super simple. It happens in one bowl. I think this is the one for you. I bake like once a year and it always comes out badly. So, so you're not having would, a dessert party. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I would love to be invited to yours. Anytime. I think it is a good point that if there's one area in which I'm constantly cutting corners while entertaining, it's dessert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I feel like the answer is like, Spend your time on the thing that you actually want to spend your time on. Like, if you're super excited about an elaborate dessert, then go for it. I mean, if it's, like, something that you know isn't going to go disastrously wrong, I don't know. I don't think we should be trying, like, recipes for the first time at dinner parties that are elaborate. But if that's what you're excited about, do it and then outsource the main or, you know, go low-key on the main event or vice versa. Okay, let's take a break here. And when we get back, we will hear from Catherine Lewin, the owner of Big Night, an incredible new dinner party essential store here in Brooklyn. And then I will reveal my personal dinner party role. So before we get to our next dinner party role, I'm bringing in Brooklyn's very own Catherine Lewin. Catherine is the owner and operator of the fairly new, brightly colored storefront, Big Night, in the Greenpoint neighborhood of Brooklyn. And the words dinner and party essentials is literally painted onto the glass of the store. So we really had to have her on today's episode. Catherine, congratulations, and thank you for hopping on the pod. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So I think it's such a compelling argument to have a dinner party that is not focused around a big main course. It's how I like to eat, and I think a lot of people feel the same. They want to choose their own food without being stuck in the coursed traditional format, which leads me into what I want to talk to you about today, which is snack boards. We all know about cheese and charcuterie, but is it possible to actually make a snack board into a dinner? I think that while cheese is a very important component, like the cheese board, the charcuterie board, obviously a big component, I think there's a lot of room to play beyond the cheese. And I think there are plenty of options that are filling and won't leave people hungry, but also feel snacky and sort of fun to eat. So one thing that I like to rely on always is a great dip, especially a dip that can be used in multiple ways on the same table. One example would be a green goddess that's going to taste like really fresh, that you can dunk crudite or roasted veg or potato chips into, and then use that same dip to mix into something like a tinned tuna that people can then spread on bread or crackers. Yeah, I feel like smoked fish or tinned fish, is, tinned fish especially, is really having a moment right now. And it's trendy, but it's also a great filling, protein-packed thing to add to your table. I can't really think of (laughs) another trend that is actually so useful. Um, (laughs) We have at Big Night sort of this whole shelf full of tinned fish riches is what I call it. But first of all, there's a lot of fun in like gathering a group of tinned fish. There's tuna, maybe a sliced octopus, 
calamari, codfish, um, and sort of like let people taste through that, which in and of itself is sort of an experience that lends itself well to a dinner party. And then another option that I always like to remind people is if you're having a dinner party, splurge on the big tin fish. Okay, so how do you feel about the snack board dinner being a collaborative affair? Like, do you think people can ask their guests to bring something to contribute? A hundred percent. I think that the snack table as format allows people to actually bring like a standalone item that they're passionate about, that they want to share with the group. And then it Mm -hmm. sort of becomes this like fun show and tell thing where everyone's contributing to what's on the table and is people are thanking one another for like, oh my God, what is this thing? I have to know more about it. I'm going to go out and buy it tomorrow. And it turns dinner into a real conversation starter. Yeah. And I think people can not feel tons of pressure with what they bring either. I notice when I see photos of your store, I haven't been yet. You seem to have like a robust and very curated jarred and bottled condiment section. And to me, like that's the ideal thing to bring because it is often something new that other people haven't tried before, but it's like low pressure. Like you can try it out, but you don't have to make a whole meal out of it. What are some of those condiments that you've curated in the shop? Yes, I love the condiment section. A few of my favorites. So we have jams by Trade Street Jams, um, which are made by Ashley Rouse in Brooklyn. So it's local. And her flavor combinations are just super unexpected and delicious. My current favorite is a strawberry chipotle and fig, which I really have been loving with cheddar cheeses lately. Mm-hmm. That's a favorite for sure. We also have some incredible products from Queens out of San Francisco. Their samjang is just this salty umami bomb that is so much fun for dipping vegetables into. This one's simple, but honey, particularly we have this almond honey by a French family that's been making it for years and years. And I find that honey is like forever welcome with any cheese at any party. However, people forget about butter, and... Oh, yeah. I think that is such a underrated thing to bring to a party. We carry this French-churned butter that comes in this, like, gold foil. What else do you need to bring besides gold foil-wrapped butter to a party? I don't really know. Just bust it out on some crusty bread with, like, a little bit of tiny flaky salt on top. It's incredible. I mean, is the gold edible? (laughs) You know, it should be. (laughs) What tip do you have for people who do want to host a dinner party that's really a snack party, but are feeling a little intimidated about whether they can pull it off or not? I think cheese pairings are something that tend to stress people out. And that's because they don't think about them until they're about to host 10 people. And then it's like, what is a cheese pairing? And how do I know it's going to be good? And my answer is just treat yourself to that in a zero pressure situation when you're eating it in pajamas, like, at your kitchen counter at 9 oh, o'clock. Oh, that sounds amazing. Like, and, and also, like, who doesn't want to eat that for dinner on a Tuesday night at 9 yeah, o'clock? Yeah, sounds like a great thing to just do whether you are worried about your dinner party or not. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else you want people to know or think about when they're thinking about the snack board dinner party? There is one thing that I think is the most crucial tip of all, and that is that if you do nothing else, you have to take your cheese out of the fridge before you intend to serve it or eat it yourself. Oh my God. How soon? I would say at least 30 minutes and ideally like 45 or an hour because when the cheese is cold, you just don't actually get to taste all of the cheese in the same way that like really cold wine, you're missing out on a lot of that flavor profile. It's the same here. And 
you know, you just get a lot more from your cheese if you let it come to room temperature. It is something I have considered tattooing on my arm. Take the cheese out of <sighs> oh the fridge. Gosh. Because even <laughs> I forget. Take the cheese out of the fridge. Like, that would be the most useful tattoo. And in the meantime, I do set a reminder. I feel like that should be the next thing you paint onto the glass at uh-huh. Big yes. Night. It's in the works. Take it out of the fridge. Wow. This was so much amazing information in so little time. <laughs> I'm so happy that we got to chat. And again, if you're in New York, go check out Big Night. It's in Greenpoint in Brooklyn. We'll put it all in the show notes. And happy dinner partying <laughs> to all of you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much, Amanda. All right, I'm going to I'm going to take one. I have a rule. <laughs> What's your rule? No more weeknight dinner parties. Agreed. Who was even doing that? Yeah. Like... Okay, Chris, you're you're like a slightly different generation. <laughs> <laughs> that was the meanest thing you've ever said to me. I will say I was not a frequent weeknight dinner party host, but I don't know, like a Thursday night or like people who lived in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, just come on over. I'll just quickly shop after work. And then what was I thinking? I worked 40 minutes from my house. I would stop at the store, get on the subway, come home, try to throw something together. And like I'm nodding off at the dinner table. That sounds hectic. There are so many levels to how little that reflects my reality. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no more weeknights. Let's just leave it at that. Oh, This was a game changer for me. And it's like, and it's the most obvious one, right? Which is a rule that was a rule for me more or less before and especially during summer, but that I think could be a rule for me virtually year round is take it outside. Oh yeah. Part of it is there are certain things that like you don't really want to cook indoors regardless of the time of year. You know, number one, steak. I'm sorry, like I'm not making steak indoors most of the time. Oil spattering everywhere. You get those little droplets all over the stove. You can put it way in the back under the hood, hood set to three. You can barely hear anything. It's like an airplane's like just landing over and over and over (laughs) in the kitchen. And you're just sitting there like, why did I make this decision? This is a terrible idea to make one steak let alone like the four you need to serve Zainab's crowd of like 12 people or whatever, you know? <laughs> but there was a moment that came this past winter when it was like, listen, we all know we want to go out somewhere and eat food that we haven't cooked. And if that means sitting outdoors when it's like 20 or 30 degrees out, then you know what? I'm just going to suck it up and buy a parka and I'm going to get some real deal mittens and just like slide my hands into. Wait, but are you asking all your guests to do this too? I don't know why you think, you think they won't go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm trying to understand if we're taking it outside, like we're taking the kitchen outside or we're taking the whole dinner party. We're taking everything outside. All right. Better buy those heat lamps while you can. But listen, on a cold day, is there anything you want to be eating more than like a steaming bowl of pozole, you know? or like chili when you're outdoors. Listen, maybe you're not going to have people hang out for three hours, but- Is there a fire pit? There's a fire pit. Okay, great. I'm in. I'm in. I feel like you can kind of lean into that a little bit. And for me, it's like, listen, it's either that or potentially not have people over when it's really cold out. Yeah, yeah. I'm imagining candles- some lighting. It depends on like when my kids can get vaccinated and like a whole host of other things, right? But right. I would I, I could I could get down with that. Does that sound crazy? 
A no. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> say more, Zaina. I mean, outside, like in the winter. I mean, I do agree with you that there are perfect foods for that scenario. Like chili outside, like it's hotter the colder you are, mm-hmm. which is great. But will other people do it? It's like easy for us to say in October that we would. I always find it easy to say like, oh, I'm totally going to hang out more outside this winter. And then when it's actually 25 degrees, I'm like, of course, I'm not going to go outside. But, you know, maybe it's a new rule. Maybe we're going to do it. Hot toddies. Warm mulled wine. Oh, the world of warm cocktails is your oyster. Yeah. All right. I'm getting excited. We have time for one more rule. Who's got one? I do. Yeah, you do. Stop inviting people you don't like. Ooh, getting (laughs) real. No one needs the extra anxiety. Like the ones I've posted have had like 15 to 20 people. Pull it down to like five to eight. Okay, wait, stop. 20 people. I don't have 20 plates. You were hosting 20 person dinner parties? We need to talk about that. There are less like parties at that point, to be honest. It's like an open house. Yeah, pretty much. Some someone will show up at seven, someone will show up at 8:30. I want hot food for them regardless. So it's just, yeah, not ideal. But pulling it down to like five to eight people and just like people you really like will just remove all of the stress and anxiety. Okay, but what about people who don't know each other? That's a no for me at this point. At this point in your life? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. You guys want to do some lightning round? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So this is where I'm going to ask questions. Okay. Mostly they're yes or no. Sometimes there might be a curveball in there. Okay. Shoes on or shoes off? Off. Off. Off if it's under six people, which it probably will be. Okay. You're taking your shoes off in my house, Amanda. Trust me. (laughs) Fair, fair. BYOB or no? No. No. You can't count on anybody to bring anything. Ooh. You know, like you can't. Control freak back again. (laughs) Still or sparkling? Still. Sparkling feels special, though. So special. Last minute plus ones. (laughs) You're like, what kind of friends are they? Did you suddenly, like, get a girlfriend on the way over to my house? Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) You get one of those in your life and it's out of some, like, rom-com? No, what are you talking about? A plus one. It's friggin' dinner at my house. Everybody gets vetted, you know? Okay. Is having the TV on in the background ever okay? Ooh. Yes, I have. Yeah, I, I would will say have an NBA okay. dinner party. That sounds great to me. In fact, I've done it that. It has to be in the invite. All right. Are you kicking people out at a certain time or no? No, but I'm going to sleep at a certain time. You can stay, <laughs> but I won't be there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Are you making a vegan option? Yeah. If I know there's a vegan coming, absolutely. For what sure. if there's like a secret vegan? Do you have something in the fridge just in case? What about that salad, Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm making a dynamic and compelling salad for you, like super on the fly, but I don't know. (laughs) All right. That seems like a good place to stop. Chris and Zainab, I loved your rules, your goals, your manifestos for this new and improved dinner party. I think we could check back in in like April and have like a 2.0. Like, so how did it go? What actually happened? How many compelling and dynamic salads were involved? (laughs) I'm going to tag you in every single one. I can't wait. Yes. Well, thank you both. I can't wait to hear about all of your dinner parties this winter. And thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. 
Thank you to Chris Morocco and Zainab Issa for giving us their new rules. And to Catherine Lewin for the cheese board recs too. This entire package of recipes and advice for how to run your next dinner party is up on Bon Petit and the link is in our show notes. Give our guests a follow on Instagram too. Chris Morocco is at Morocco Chris. Zainab is at Zainab underscore Isa. And Catherine Lewin is at KK Lewin. For Chris's recipe videos, check out the Bon Appetit YouTube channel and find all of Zainab's recipes on bonappetit.com. If you love the show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps keep us food people employed. And you can follow Bon Appetit on Instagram at Bon Appetit Mag and on Twitter at Bon Appetit. Food People is produced by Bon Appetit in partnership with Pod People. Vishnu Vallabhaneni is our senior producer. Ginny Bloom is our showrunner. Madison Lusby is our production manager. And Morgan Foose and Jessica Jones are our associate producers. This episode was engineered by Trey Booty, and the music is by DJ Newmark. June Kim and I provide editorial direction for the series. Special thanks to Matt Sav, Nico Steele, and Julie Shen. I'm your host, Amanda Shapiro, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.